Hello, beautiful people. In today's episode, I had the fortune of conversing with the man, the myth, and the legend, Use. And Use is a hell of a character. I mean, the guy is a YouTube sensation. He's got more than 70,000 subscribers on YouTube. I don't know how much he's posting there these days, but he's a hell of a writer and he's a hell of an entrepreneur. So what we did today was we discussed just the importance of filling your own cup, the importance of seasons, and we talked about many mistakes that Yus has made in the past and what lessons he would give to his the younger version of himself. I really, really enjoyed this episode. I think you will as well. And if you enjoyed this, let me know at Hey Danny Miranda on Twitter. And let's get to it, guys. Interesting people, thought-provoking conversations, nutrition for your brain. Journey through the minds of the world's top performers and discover what it really takes to achieve your highest version. This is the Danny Miranda Podcast. My third guest for the Danny Miranda Podcast is none other than my man, Use, And Use is is a very interesting character because I first discovered him back in 2018 in when I was doing drop shipping and e-commerce. And what attracted me to use was his ability to be in front of the camera and make it feel like he was literally right next to me. And I immediately started watching all of his videos and and that then I started following him on on Twitter and started following his thoughts. And I started realizing that there were way more sides to this person named use that I just discovered in 2018 on YouTube. And so, so blessed and honored to, to bring him over to the podcast for our third episode. So use, thank you so much for, for joining me in our third episode. Thank you uh, so much for having me and for the very nice intro. And it has been a pleasure to know you and get to know you more and more as time goes on and hopefully build a lifelong friendship. For sure, brother. So one of the first things that I, I was curious with you in particularly in particular is I was curious about your ability to be able to take someone who's watching a video and make a connection with them. And I was curious if you had any, and for those of you who, who have no idea what I'm talking about, you can go check out Yusuf's YouTube channel and see some of the incredible content he's put out. And I wanted to ask you, Yusuf, how, how do you form such a strong connection with your audience? Is there anything you do? I, I'm super curious about that. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic question. It's a topic I care a lot about. And I sometimes will tweet about it. I'll sometimes write about it in my articles. But I think what makes it hit home so much is the way I learned how to do it is aligned with a lot of people where what I mean is like you're probably talented in one area. Maybe it's humor, wit, intelligence, but all the other areas you have to learn manually or the hard way or through trial and error or through study. So pretty much the only element I had naturally, like in high school, middle school, all of that was probably like the humor element. Everything else I had to kind of just learn through study, through practice, through trial and error. And 
there's a lot of components that go into it. But one of the most important with anything you do, honestly, is your underlying intent. I, there's a saying that like your your uh, yourself your best self is always shining through or your true self is always shining through and if your intention is truly just to like turn on the camera and share what you learned that day people really do feel that but if your intention is like this is what the data says this is what's going to grow my page this is what's going to drive this many sales people do feel it which is possibly another topic but it's kind of why I'm against the personal brand if it's done in a certain way that's that's so incredible because I found the exact same thing in terms of intent. If your intent is good and your intent is pure, it allows you to do whatever you want because you know at the end of the day you're looking out for the other person's best interests. And I've even found this out in, in conversations. When I truly want the best for another person, then it's easy for me to express my love to them. It's easy for me to express myself to them because it doesn't matter what I say, right? It doesn't matter if I make a mistake in the conversation because at the end of the day, I want what's best for them. I want what's best for you. And so it's freeing in a sense when your intent is pure. Yeah, totally. And actually one of the most popular videos I ever uploaded was just totally from the heart, nothing planned, but it's pretty much I was like, guys, I'm at the point now where if I want to go any further with this, I have to not be authentic and I don't want to do that. So I was I literally said in that video, like, I'll create a new path if I have to. And what I meant by that is it's very easy when a lot of money is coming in to get caught up and just be like, all right, this is working. I need to go all in on this. But when I was kind of looking at it from a bird's eye view, I was like, going all in is going to mean lowering authenticity. And we can get into the subtleties possibly, but there is a way to grow while still being authentic. But the point I was at, it was like, if I want to go any further with the topics I'm talk talking about, I kind of need to drop authenticity and I'm not willing to do that. So I wanted to make sure, as the old saying goes, I fill my own cup before presenting myself to the world. So I kind of just took my skills and did things behind the scenes, sort of filling my own cup. And that really applies to any social interaction. For example, if you don't have a fun life, or fun might not be the right word, but a life you enjoy living, and then you go to other people socially or romantically, your cup is not full. And then your underlying intent unconsciously to you is needing to take to fill your cup. And what you'll notice is people are repelled away from you. Even though in your head, it might feel like I have great intentions. I just want to be nice to this person. But below your conscious awareness is kind of taking to fill your own cup. So to kind of summarize that, pretty much fill your own cup and people will really feel that value instead of that taking, sucking energy value. That's really well put. And, and it leads me to ask the question, what are ways that someone listening could help themselves fill their own cup? the practical ways? Yeah, that's a great question. And I guess a very technical answer would be a lot of people are aware of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but not getting too specific into that, just to very simply put it, when your basic needs are taken care of, like you're good with money, you have a decent social circle. Again, the keyword here is not like perfect or flawless, but just the, like the basic needs met, like you got a few homies, even if they're not perfect, like you got the baseline of homies that you interact with romantically, you might have a relationship or you just might have 
available options that you're kind of just seeing casually financially you're good to go pretty much when you're in a position of good with who you are where you are and where you're going you kind of cross the threshold of okay my cup is full now let me share with others and then in return you also receive which is very interesting but until your basic needs are met it's very hard for your underlying unconscious intent to be giving energy to give you also a very clear example if i have zero clients i really need a client and i need to just kind of like take and take and be like i need the money even if the value is not there versus if i had 25 clients and a huge track record and a reputation truly with that level of expertise it's truly just giving in fact what they pay might not even be worth it in return it might even be more of a win for them so i guess another way of simply putting it is kind of trying to get to a point where just the baseline default of who you are gives so much value without even having to like do or go out of your way to be like how can i contribute value it's just kind of like it naturally shifts to your default when your basic needs are met because when your basic needs are met, you could be at a social event or a business thing or a relationship or anything. If you don't need anything, your mindset is automatically in the mode of how can I make this experience more fun? How can I enjoy this moment the best? How can I give value to the situation? And this is the very subtle key. When your basic needs are met, your mindset automatically becomes how do I add value to this situation, to this moment, to this client, to this person? When the basic needs aren't met, it's kind of gravity. You naturally will gravitate towards how do I communicate that I have value? How do I look like I have value? How do I receive value? How do I get what I want? Hopefully that makes sense. But if you don't have what you want or need, you naturally are going to gravitate towards getting. When you have your basic needs met, you're going to gravitate more towards contributing value, which is insane because when you most need it, it's the hardest to get. And when you Mm -hmm. least need it, socially, romantically, or financially, it's the easiest to get. Which is why if you're in the trenches or in a low place, do not be picky. Just get out of the trenches as soon as possible. Trust me, you will thank yourself for it. And that helps explain also why you want to go and do something when you're 40% sure. You you talk about this a bunch. You should pull the trigger when you're 40% 40 sure about a certain thing. Can you explain a little bit more about that for people who aren't familiar? Yeah, that's probably one of the most, I guess, popular things I ever posted. It was shared all over Instagram and all these like famous influencers were like, this is the greatest thing ever. But simply <laughs> put, it's just like there's an illusion that we can get 100% certainty because we live in a Google generation where if you're unsure about something, just Google it and then you have the answer. Or if you grew up in high school, let's be honest, a lot of us would just Google and then copy and paste the answers. So we kind of wire our brain in a way to be like, there is certainty. It is possible to be 100% clear. But with the much bigger things in life, like your goals or your relationships or any of that, you just can't have that 100% certainty, at least for anything meaningful in life. So what's going to happen is you're going to become interested in something and you're going to have a little bit of certainty that it's possible and that you could do it in your capability because you don't have ability yet. Capability is before ability. So before you have competence at all, you need confidence that you can get competence, that you can get the ability. 
And no matter how hard you try, trust me, I'm very good at researching. I know people that are even smarter than me that are better at researching and just looking through things and understanding things. You're just not going to be able to get 100% certainty. There's absolutely no way. So if you're on really all you need is just what do you need for this week? That's it. If you need if you figure out what you need four months from now, how is that going to help you today? It really isn't. It's more so just to calm down the nerves, calm down the anxiety. But in reality, you just need, what do you need to do today? What do you need to do this week? You don't need the whole thing figured out. And the best way to figure it out is to actually be doing it. It's kind of like playing a video game, like those Mario games. It only shows you a portion of the level that you're immediately in. As you move forward, it reveals to you more of what you need to do. So if you're looking for what you need to do before it's directly in front of you, there, there's no way you can see it, just like in the Mario video games. So you're going to be stuck in analysis paralysis. Makes complete sense. And so can you explain some ways that you've done this, like in your own life, the examples you've personally used to put yourself at 40% and then, okay, like that was the, the right path to go down? I think the reason I'm decent at explaining it is because I'm not actually perfect at it because I myself struggle with it. And that's another point that I want to make is like, I think people think when they get what they want or they get certain qualities that like, it's just boom, it's ingrained forever. Like once I'm a fitness person, I'm just going to always want to go to the gym. Like I've been going to the gym for five years now and I love going, but that, I mean, there are some days where you just like, don't want to go. And it's not because you don't like it or anything, but that's just how things work. So like even when you have a lot of certainty, you still might not even take action. So, but one of the ways that I've really helped myself is getting very clear on, and this might be a deep topic, but we know for a fact you're not going to live forever. So survival and playing it safe then is a losing game because you're just not going to live forever. If you could live forever, then it would make sense to orient our lives for surviving as long as possible but since that's not an option that's not a good way to live life a better way to live life that's encompassed in sort of the circle of life is four elements the first is expression then experimentation then it is uh the last one is transcendence the third one is integration so expression experimentation integration transcendence so expression Notice how it's before experimentation. You just have the idea to express something, to go talk to a girl, to start a business, to do something. Then when you go do it, that is the experimentation phase, part two. You get feedback on what you were interested in. Then the third step of the circle of life is integration. From that experiment, you get some sort of applicable wisdom, whether you win or you lose, you get something to integrate. Oh, this worked. Oh, this didn't work. And then the fourth and final is what's known as transcendence is when you adopt that into your default. So now when you go back to phase one, the expression phase, you're one bit better. You're a little bit more refined of an iteration. And that's all life. Expression, experimentation, integration, transcendence. That's the whole thing. So the whole point is to express, experiment, try things, do things, move. So to tie it all back into what we were saying, that sort of getting really clear on that is like, the point is not to survive here. I mean, it's not obviously to be reckless and an idiot, but <laughs> the goal is to experience things. 
that is part of life that we're not going to survive so you might as well try new things i love how that those four elements i love how they tie into creativity in general and the creative process and building anything whether it's building your body or building a business or or starting a new website or whatever it is that you are doing you can apply those four things and the process of doing them will make you better and after you transcend you then go back to step one and you start the whole process over again and one thing that we've both you've tweeted before and i've seen in my own life is that maybe not this process but the process a process of 100 days or a process of 75 to 100 days and we've spoken this brief spoken about this briefly on twitter about how that is the time frame and time period to grow and i wonder and i've seen this applied those four elements applied to that 75 to 100 day time period so talk a little bit about 90 days and and what you can accomplish in 90 days and why you believe that to be the the time frame to change yeah i love how you brought this up because it brings us to a very important distinction and what we just explained, those sort of four steps or elements in the circle of life, even if you're not consciously aware of them, you are doing them. So the purpose of the of challenges or 100 days or goals or whatever, some sort of measurable milestone is that it gives parameters so that it's more accurate. So if you don't have a target, you're going to miss every time. So all it does is give a target parameters and gives structure so that you're just much more efficient in what you do because everyone does it whether they know it or not let's say and i love how you also brought up that it's creation because no matter how uncreative someone thinks they are all of life is creation if you're just sitting there with your friends talking you're creating a moment you're creating a vibe you're creating a memory you're creating something and even if a person doesn't consciously know this circle of life they still do it they express themselves let's say they go talk to a girl it either works or it doesn't work, which is the experimentation. And then they integrate. Wow, when I do this, it works. Wow, when I don't do this, it doesn't work. Their brain and their subconscious automatically does that. So what I've noticed is life is very confusing when you don't consciously know this process and you don't really document, not like a maniac, but have some sort of journal or notes on what works for you, what doesn't work for you taking what works making it your default and the purpose of the structure of like 90 days, hundred days, 70 days, whatever is you give yourself permission. Like I'm just going to express an experiment in these 90 days and you're going to get actual live data and feedback from real life. And you're going to tweak it. You're going to be like, this works. This doesn't work. I like this. I don't like this. I'm good at this. I'm bad at this. That is then what you integrate into your new default for the next 90 days of expression. And that's what's called then transcendence. You've transcended into a higher paradigm. So I guess the biggest point I want to differentiate is even if you don't want to do it, you're doing it. Every action you take has a reaction. And as the saying goes, you learn something new every day. By putting parameters, structure to it, you just make it way more likely that you'll hit the targets you want to hit. Brother, you are some sort of philosophizer and incredible thinker because the way you're able to bring these things together makes so much sense and i'm so grateful for you brother so what what i want to know is 
what habits and routines are absolutely essential to you at this point? Mm, I love this question. Also, I love the word philosophizer. <laughs> <laughs> I but, mean that uh, only as a compliment, my man. I love it. It's fantastic. Um, I love the habits question because it means a lot to me personally because I myself for so many years would take advice from influencers. And this is a topic that means a lot to me. It's kind of the work I'm trying to get into for the rest of my life. But there's so much information out there now. The problem isn't the lack of information. The problem is too much information. And when there's too much information and people that don't understand who they are, where they're at, they're not, I mean, the word I'm looking for is, I guess there's a difficulty filtering what's a good fit for them. So, I mean, I myself and many others were in a vulnerable position, I guess, looking for help, whether that be with social skills or making business or relationships. And you go online and you find these people and they're saying, do these habits, incorporate these strategies and these routines. But every person has a different, unique set of deficiencies, strengths, weaknesses, voids. And if you follow a strategy that doesn't work for your voids, your deficiencies, your weaknesses, they're still going to be void, deficient and weak, but you're just going to be doing something else. So you're going to be doing something and seeing nothing and it's going to drive you insane, which happens with me. I see it happen with a lot of people. So one of the biggest prerequisites before you even think about habits is getting clear on what are the habits that you need. So what I mean by that is, for example, if you are someone who has a hard time controlling cravings with food is the habit just eat healthier i think you could dig a little bit deeper and be like why am i doing this and then incorporate specific tailored habits to you that fully encompass the root instead of just putting a band-aid on the symptom when you go for the root that is when you change the fruit that the tree produces if you're going for the symptoms you're trying to change the fruit by like grabbing onto the fruit that's not how you change the fruit you plant seeds in the roots for a new tree to produce new fruit bro i love how you took that question and instead of giving a few habits or routines that you're currently doing you transform that into whoever's listening and you're giving them and saying you can't just take what x person says to do what x person says to do may work for them but it may not necessarily work for you. And if you try to do what they're doing, you might be in a completely different place and you might just be trying to be like them, but you need to think about yourself and what you need at this point in time. Yeah, let me give you a really clear example just to paint what I mean by how this happens. So in dating advice in particular, one of the biggest trends right now is obviously people are saying, don't be a nice guy, be more aggressive, be more assertive. And to be honest, for a large portion of the population, that is true. We've kind of been raised uh, somewhat soft. But what I mean is the majority of people that content makes sense for. But for a lot of other people, that is just not the answer. Being more aggressive and more assertive is not their weakness. They're fine, aggressive and assertive. And nobody even views them as a pushover. But then they just double down on aggressiveness. And what happens is they just become distant. People think they're arrogant. And then what happens, trust me, it's insane. <laughs> They'll be like, I'm not getting results. And they're being more aggressive. And they just think it's because of them. Like, oh, I'm just not good enough. It's like, no, you're not not good enough. People think 
that they're not good enough for you because you made yourself so distant and unapproachable. Like, that's what I mean by how you really need to know what is your area. You need to understand, like, it's like a doctor. It's a physician. It's common practice where before they operate, they need to know what they're operating on. If you're in pain, you just be like, oh, I need surgery. Well, what's surgery? What's what's the bone? What's the muscle? What are we doing here? And I think just spending that extra time to really understand your problem better, to know the root of it, it really will, as we said, yield different fruit instead of trying to like grab onto the fruit and be yelling at it, be like, orange, I want you to be a lemon. I mean, that's just not going to, it's not going to help you. So what you're hitting on is, is self-awareness. And when you see some advice online or you hear someone talking to you, you have to be aware, how does that advice relate to the self? And what have you found to be some of the best strategies or how do you increase your own self-awareness? Mm, perfect tie into what we're talking about because it goes back to what we said with the circle of life the more experiences you have expressions as we said earlier the more data you have from reality of how people react to you because what happens in the external world is so heavily as cheesy as it sounds is a reflection of the internal world and that is literally like a printout blueprint of what your strengths are, your weaknesses are, all of that. And that really ties into self-awareness. I think the trap that so many people are falling into, and the reason I say this is because I myself found myself in this trap where instead of expressing and experimenting and integrating and transcending and getting actual feedback from reality, people are sitting isolated at home trying to figure everything out by reading and not expressing. And then they don't get feedback on reality. And then who they are is a theory so which yields or gives a false sense of self-awareness so a major part of self-awareness is actually putting yourself out there and getting feedback from reality that is one component of it but the other component is just being more aware of why you're doing things like I guess we could say that feeling that people get when they drive home from their like, commute and they just have no idea what happened. They're just there. Well, that same thing can happen in your day-to-day -day life. And mm. you just have no idea. Wow, it's time for bed. And you just kind of like don't even remember what you did all day. So self-awareness is kind of pausing during certain moments of the day and just being like, hmm, why am I doing this? Why am I craving this? Why am I getting this result type of thing? So one is the combination of the internal, just noticing things more instead of, drifting or dozing off and then the other component is actually putting yourself out there so you have data from reality instead of theories which drive you insane i absolutely love that and it ties into something that i wanted to ask you which is if you want to be more aware you're going to need to be paying attention to the present moment more and more and be attuned to the present moment so could you speak a little bit about connecting to the present moment and why it's so important to be present moment oriented in order yeah. to just have the best experience on this life that we call earth. Yeah, absolutely. Also just one little quick add on to the final bit. Another one is just some form, anything, no matter how bad of a writer you think you are, some form of journaling. I'm telling yes. you, that's like 75% of what I know 
is because after I experience something, I'm like, why did this work? Why did this not work? And then when it's because it's taking literally your thoughts from both your conscious and subconscious, putting it on paper and you're like, whoa, and then you just connect dots. You're like, every time I do this, this happens. Or every time I feel this way, I text this person I shouldn't be texting <laughs> type of thing. Yep. But uh, back to the present moment, I like how that really ties into what we were saying earlier. And I'm going to go back to saying your basic needs, when they're met, you're not really looking to leave to the future. You're not really dwelling on the past. You have this foundation and it doesn't need to be perfect. It's just like if you're homeless, just get a house of some sort. Don't be picky. Just do whatever it takes. And that's a huge message I wish I could give to my younger self is don't be picky until you have options. Otherwise, you just suffocate yourself in misery. Like if you need to take a job, take a job. It's fine. It's so much better than sitting around dwelling all day and trying to figure out some quick miracle that allows you to skip steps. When you're at a low point, the doors that open up for you, first of all, there's hardly any and they're not good. They all suck. And that's kind of the point that I think me younger and even sometimes now and a lot of people I see is like, if you're at the bottom, the doors that open up aren't good. <laughs> all of them are bad, <laughs> but it's just a, it's a stepping stone like the Mario level to get to the next level and more doors. You would like have to do that just to get some sort of baseline skill set, some baseline income. Just and I think me, especially in the past, just freeze like, where's the good option? Bro, there is no good option. <laughs> like, that's why you're frozen. They're all bad options and you're just refusing to pick one of the bad options. Like, it, I think also what really helps, at least for me and what I've seen in other people is when you know it's temporary. Like if you're going to work a job you don't like, it's a lot easier when you know it's temporary. And I think that's why I loved working so much, because in my head, I just knew for a solid fact, like there is no way I'm doing this forever based on all the moves I'm kind of making behind the scenes and the skills I'm acquiring. There's no way I'm going to be doing this forever. So I actually really do want to enjoy my time employed because I'm this is, this is it. I'm not going to be employed again. So I tried to make the the best of every day. But going back to the present moment, when you're good with who you are, where you are, and where you're going, you're not worried about getting anything, your basic needs are met, and you naturally just anchor yourself to the present moment because you don't need to go anywhere. <laughs> like the future is not significantly better. It's exciting. It's cool. But it's not like the difference of night and day. Once you get those basic needs met, Life is pretty good, and the more money you make and the more everything, it's just like a little bit better. It's not like, oh shit, I went from a Mustang to a Ferrari. Trust me, it's cool. It might make things a little bit better, but it's not like a zero to ten. It's not like you're going to go from depressed mm -hmm. to euphoric. It's just like, oh, this is cool type of thing. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that study that when, when people have their certain baseline needs met, you know, $80,000 they, they found or something around that level. It's like, well, after the happiness level didn't increase drastically, like you still you got happier with more money you make, maybe, but $80,000 or around that level, I don't know what the exact number is. That's the, you know, you'll be happy at this level. And, and that goes to speak exactly what you were talking about, where if your base 
needs are met, you're going to be you're going to you're going to feel good and you're going to be able to navigate the situations that life gives you. Yeah, actually, I read a similar study, but I forgot like the specifics of it, but it was along the same lines of just like also it's like when you get I mean, it's the same thing for anything like if you get really fit, getting even more fit, like if you right. add that extra. You add that extra inch to your biceps, I promise you, trust me, it's just not going to make you that much happier. But I think a reason that I feel clear and confident in talking about this is because I have the unique experience of losing everything twice. So I lost everything once, was on my mom's couch, and I had to build up from scratch. And I built up something decent, multiple six figures, and then lost it all again and had to build up from scratch again. So I'm very familiar with... And I think that's what makes, I guess, my content relatable is I'm very familiar and versed with the lows. And uh, I mean, I could speak to the person who has like not a dollar to their name. And I could speak to the person who's closing quarter million dollar deals on like a monthly basis, the same. And I understand like the struggles at the top and the struggles at the bottom. And I guess I'm very familiar with the process of going from zero or from nothing to something in multiple areas, going from nothing to something in your dating life, going from nothing to something in your social life, in your fitness, your health, your goals, your finances, all of that. So, you know, you mentioned failing twice, and that's something that I definitely want to talk to you about, because did you view the failures as, when you were in them, did you view the failures as something you were grateful for? Or was it after, I don't even know if you do now, but if you do feel grateful for the failures failures because they allow you to explain things better and more clearly and allow you to think see things more clearly as well so i guess my question is are 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 you grateful for the failures that is one of the most interesting questions of all time and i think it hits the mind of almost everybody i guess now with enough experiences like, I guess the first few times you're like, oh, my gosh, this sucks. I suck. Life is hard. But if you've yeah. kind of been through that sort of ringer a few times, it's mm-hmm. the weirdest thing because you'll be in the middle of like a failure or a low moment. And you're like, well, I guess I'm going to get a lot better and smarter from this. Like, it's kind of a weird thing because like you should feel upset because you're technically losing. But you're like, well, this is exciting. But in the beginning, oh, my God, like. My heart was broken. I was devastated multiple times with multiple failures. I was like, this is horrible. Like, it kind of gets to your head, too, because, and this is, I guess, really big. And it's a common saying that, like, if you take a king and you take away everything he has, he will find another way to become king again. Or put into other words, you take a millionaire and take everything away from him. He'll find a way to make a million dollars again because that's his identity. That's just who he is in his head. So it's that's why the first step is truly the hardest, because your brain doesn't believe it's possible. Your brain doesn't have any evidence, any proof. It's kind of just like speculation, like, oh, I could do this. And until you get that first win. Yeah, it's the failures do hurt when you haven't really gotten a win yet in, a, in everything. I'm telling you, like with your dating life, with your friends, with your business. But after you have just like this track record of wins, even losing everything again, it was like, I mean, this is just who I am. I know for a fact I'm going to build back up very Mm -hmm. quickly. So that's kind of the point I want to hammer home is it is dark before you get those first wins. But 
it becomes your identity once you get those first wins. Like, this is just who I am. I don't have the things now, but, like, I just know for a fact they will be here very soon, which is why I often like saying resourcefulness is more important than the resources because if you have the resourcefulness, the resources are always at your disposal. But people look for ways, and I say people, I mean me too, because when I was young, I'd be like, what's the fastest way to make money? What's the best way to what's the perfect line to say to a girl type of thing but yeah that is seeking to skip the process of cultivating resourcefulness and trying to sort of teleport yourself to having resources without actually being the type of person who just obviously has those resources in his life and i can tell you from experience you will lose it every single time it's kind of like a very very insecure guy getting a girl that he in his mind believes is out of his league if he somehow through luck or techniques or skills does it always ends up not working or if you somehow find like some business trick or trend and you don't actually have business skills you just leverage the trend the second that trend is over you're in the desert because you don't have the resourcefulness you just temporarily put yourself in an environment where you could experience resources which is not the way to go but the way marketing and advertising works that is what people seek the path of least resistance where it's just so funny because it actually in the long run is more resistance and more suffering so in order to get the more resourcefulness do you believe that you need to go through the failures multiple times um how do i want to say this because like you don't want to aim. You don't want to aim for of failure. But like. Failure is a natural result of what's going to happen if you attempt to do anything. So I'm very careful in how I'm trying to word this because there's two ends of the spectrum, which is also, I guess, why my content isn't like trendy and like in your face, like do this, get this result. And I just. Right. I'm just at a point now where it's like, I mean, that's just not true. <laughs> there's different people. Like, for example, let me give you the perfect example here. Telling people to be easier on their easier on themselves and keep their head up when they fail is what a lot of people need to hear. But there's a whole nother spectrum of people on the personality chart where they truly like just don't really care about the failures and they just easily justify it. Like, oh, I'm just I'm learning. Oh, I'm learning. Bro, you've been learning for two years. <laughs> you have nothing to show for it. Like, like take it a little bit more seriously. Try to like. Because I think it can become a coping mechanism mm. and an excuse for inaction when it's just like, yeah, you know, I'm just learning. Ah, it's failure, I'll learn. I mean, yeah, but your effectiveness is measured in results. Mm. So some, see what I'm saying? Some of the audience really just needs to hear, like, you are good enough to do whatever you're trying to do. You aren't the failure the feedback determines your strategy, not your self-worth, and don't take it so personally. Then there's the whole other camp of people that need to hear, what are you doing? You've been doing the <laughs> same thing and using the excuses, oh, I'm learning, I'm experimenting, I'm, I'm finding myself. I'm like, okay, well, can you find a little bit faster <laughs> with some more urgency <laughs> before you wake up and you're 20 years later down the road and you're still learning? So you got to tailor different messages for different people. And that's kind of why I'm against like very direct polarizing content, unless you know for a fact that that is what that particular audience needs to hear. 
it's nuance and you are presenting something that is so rare in the internet because that's not what gets clicks, right? What gets clicks on the internet is do this or you're wrong. You know, what, what gets clicks on the internet is just blatant, blatant, loud statements and nuance can get passed over. But the nuance that you're presenting is the truth because people aren't the same. We're all people, but we all are doing different things and, and interpreting the world in different ways. And, and we all have blind spots ourselves. And so when you approach the world from that perspective of nuance, you're you're not allowing yourself to say that everyone should be doing X or everyone should be doing Y. You're, you're saying, and it's a breath of fresh air in, in today's internet culture that we have, but it's amazing. And it's I just love hearing it because it's the truth and nuance is is really the guiding force. And I'm so grateful you're bringing that to the table. Yeah, it's actually, I mean, it's just very dangerous, the path that I think social media and content is moving towards because in order to explain nuance, you need a little bit more time to add context. If you have text without context, you have nothing essentially. Like Mm. it's a vehicle without an engine or a vehicle without wheels. There's multiple pieces and components that make a vehicle able to move. But if you're just doing these little mini sound bites and quotes, it's like handing people a tire. Well, you can't move anywhere with the tire. You need the context. Otherwise, the text is useless. It's when the text is integrated and weaved together, it becomes a performance vehicle which can take you places. But little bits of fragmented text, it's like you find a tire from a Ford and then you find an engine from a Toyota and then you find leather seats from like a Cadillac and then it's all parts, but there's no assembly. When you get that extra length of time to explain the nuance, you're able to explain these are the parts, these are the parts that could apply to you, and here's how to sort of assemble them together into a vehicle. And it does get way less traction, way less, because it's also a sign of, I think, maturity and humbleness when you've been humbled enough times to know, like, there's always a blind spot I could be missing. There's always something new I could know. I, there's, I, I forgot if there's a saying or if there's just like a study, but like really intelligent people are far less polarizing because they just know that the most effective thing is to be open minded to possibilities, <laughs> firm in what they believe in now, but totally open to other possibilities. Like what gets clicks, what gets you. I mean, I've been marketing for almost, I think, like six, seven years now. So I know what gets clicks, but. It's very direct. It's very polarizing. Like, it's shareable sound bites. In order to share something from that, you could probably pull sound bites from what we're talking about now, but real sound bites, I would just be here very in an arrogant tone. Like, you need to take cold showers. You need to, <laughs> you need to brush your teeth with this toothpaste. You need to take some ashwagandha. And I'm like, no, because <laughs> also I worked as like a personal trainer and I took courses in how the body works and i mean ashwagandha is great for one person but it's not for another <laughs> like you can't be telling people take tons of vitamin b when their actual deficiency is vitamin d and that's a very simple way of explaining it but it just shows you how powerful nuance is like the information you consume is supplemental and if you take the wrong supplements you're going to still be deficient if not more deficient <laughs> from adverse reactions and and that's what I love about doing this podcast is like it gives the opportunity for 
nuance and it, for us to explain perspective. And it's like we're out there. We're tweeting things all the time. And if you think of that tweet potentially in a different context or said slightly differently, it could have a different meaning. And when you hear the voice and you hear the inflection and when you hear us speak about certain things, it gives you more information, not only on our tweets, but also on just what we're trying to convey, which increases the comprehension, hopefully, and also will give you more of an idea on on what action you should be taking. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about your experience being a personal trainer, because what I love about you, Yus, is you're so multifaceted and you have so many different elements to you. And and one of the things that we connect on is that you're a personal trainer at one point in your journey. And that was also something that I was considering doing. So talk to me about being a personal trainer and what lessons that gave you for what you're doing now or or just lessons in life in general. Yeah, it was honestly, I loved it. It was a great period of my life. I was already fit. I followed like, uh, I guess I started, I mean, I started intermittent fasting and lifting probably in like 2015. And I wasn't unfit when I started because I played football, but I definitely wasn't in any good shape at all. I was just kind of like average, maybe even like below average when I started, but it took me like a year and a half to get fit. And at the time I was working as a front desk person at the community center so it was a gym with community center classes for kids but i think the pay was like nine dollars an hour or something maybe like right under ten dollars and i found out that if i become a personal trainer which people were asking for like wow you're fit and they're they're always just asking for advice and i was like hey if i get my certification would you guys hire me as a trainer they're like sure so i studied for two weeks and i got the certification but I think the pay then increased. It was that place paid amazing. So for people that work in the personal trainer world, it's extremely stressful at times because it's all commission based. But when you find these like government gyms or boutique gyms or like community centers, often they just do like hourly plus like a really nice uh, payment. So I was getting like 1150, I think, an hour when I wasn't even working just to sit there. And then when clients came in, it was like $35 an hour, which was fantastic for a 19-year-old. It was amazing. And uh, But then eventually later, I went to a much bigger corporate gym. And whew, it's horrible. (laughs) The pay structure is horrible. I love the actual work. And I'm still friends with some of the people I trained. But man, that pay structure. It's like if someone, if the gym refers you someone, you only make like $11 an hour unless you get them to renew. And then... Yeah, it's complicated, but way <laughs> way back, not not really concerned about the pay. More so, what was valuable was the lessons in people skills and understanding anatomy and how the body works. And it's just it, it definitely plays a major role in my life now. In terms of, I guess as we talked about earlier, kind of having self awareness. Like when I feel a certain way, I kind of know what is causing it or have a good idea of what's causing it and also just the valuable people skills of talking to a whole group of people we have young girls we have guys that are like teenagers we have athletes we have old people everyone so you get very socially adaptable from that type of experience 
And what I love about um, the reason why I, I recommend everyone to lift weights to at least try it out to see if it's for you is because when you go down that path, you then start to think about, well, okay, now I'm taking care of my body. I need to feed my body the right way. And it also leads you to nutrition and figure out what foods fit best for you. And were you responsible for giving people meal plans or figuring out nutrition or anything like that? Yeah. So actually before I became a personal trainer, I was member of like a member of some like online internet marketing forums and gaming forums and people kind of just knew me as the guy that was fit. So I would sell like my little fitness plan for like $14. I think it was like, yeah, $14 or something really inexpensive like that. And I was always just posting free value to people just like, cause I was truly excited to like help people just cause I thought I had the greatest system on earth. Cause I was <laughs> eating whatever I wanted to an extent within like a certain window, but I was still eating all my favorite foods. I got results and like crazy results in like a year. And in my head, I was like, I have to share this. And that's, I guess, maybe a little business tip is you really know you're on the right path when like you're not even questioning if you're good enough or if people are going to like it. You're like, I have to tell people about this. So mm. I was, yeah. And I mean, it was fantastic as like, I think I was 19 at that time, making like a couple hundred dollars a month from selling my fitness program online and working as a personal trainer, it was it was great. And it's so crazy. You you bring up that that point about feeling like you have to share, and that's your and you feel like almost a mission to share what you're sharing. I it's so crazy that you say that because I feel that way about the podcast, right? Like we we talked on the phone, and I was like thinking to myself, like, wow, like I have to share this with more people. Excuse the the phone. We'll we'll leave that in, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay so <laughs> we're back we're um, back, so <laughs> so you you mentioned like i have to share this and and i was talking to all these people on the phone like you like tesh like do and i'm having these conversations with people and i'm like i have to share these conversations i have to start a podcast because the information that you guys are saying and and the the value and, and just the way you guys are conveying information are just like, this has to be out there to more people, you know? So it's like almost when you feel a sense of like, this is going, I, I need to share this information. That's when the best things tend to happen. Oh, absolutely. And to get even to more, I guess, uh, metaphysical aspects of that is when you have total belief, conviction, and you're just, not, it doesn't even ever cross your mind. <laughs> like, you don't even think, like, people won't like this. What? It just literally never crosses your mind. Yep. I'm telling you, every miracle that has ever happened to me, because I document so much of my life, and the unexplainable miracles that happened always follow that formula where it's like, I didn't even, and honestly, I guess that's maybe my interpretation of ignorance is bliss. It was when I was literally too stupid to know that anything could go wrong. Like, people don't like it. Like, that didn't even cross my mind. It was just, like, 150,000% belief that, like, I have to share this. I have to do this. If I do this, it will get this result. And it wasn't, like, some trick or some affirmations or some hypnosis. It was truly, like, I was just too ignorant to even know that anything could go wrong. And every sort of miracle I've experienced were just extreme luck 
and good fortune was when that element was present. And at that time, you're not even thinking like or caring if something goes wrong, right? It's like, well, I'm just scratching my own itch. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. This is just this is just the path to go down. There's no other option. And talk a bit a little bit about scratching your own itch, because I know you've done that so successfully with your YouTube channel, your writing. Talk about scratching your own itch. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's it all weaves back into everything we've been talking about. But if we go back to the circle of life where you express, you experiment, you integrate, you transcend, that is how life was supposed to be. Like, think back to when you were a kid, before you had any bad experiences, if you wanted to say something to the other kid on the playground, you would just say it. Like you, it was not even in your brain that you could be rejected, that people wouldn't like you. So you had what was then, I guess, we don't even have to call it ignorance. We could call it innocence because the mind wasn't corrupted yet. But then naturally, as we get older, just the way life works, you get some rejections, maybe socially, or maybe you try a business and it doesn't work. And then your brain now has become aware of, oh, things could go wrong. And I guess not to get biblical or religious, but that could be one possible interpretation of what the Bible would call eating from the tree of knowledge. And I know that is technically like a sexual reference and there's other references, but it's sort of like the moment you eat of the forbidden fruit and you know that evil is a possibility, you then lose your innocence. So what happens when you lose your innocence in sort of a modern sense? It's like, instead of just, you want to do something, so like you're doing with the podcast, like I was doing as selling my personal trainer programs and just doing it literally the next day, just like not even thinking about it because you had that innocence or having that innocence that you, fiz- you don't even know anything could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And we lose that innocence as we grow older and we get rejected by girls. We try a business and it fails. And then the brain kind of takes a, a snapshot of that memory of that experience And then the next time you try to do it and you've lost your innocence, so now you're more hesitant. And it's that hesitation, which unfortunately has can leave people for years not doing the thing that they actually want to do, not entering the circle of life of expressing and the whole thing because the innocence is gone. There's a knowledge that things could go wrong. So when that exists, the best cure, of course, is to do the thing. There's I forgot the exact quote, but like it says, like, if you like walk up to the lion or something, just the willingness to walk up to the lion, the lion disappears or dissolves. And I guess on a more physical, practical sense, I think I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm not some wildlife expert. I have my niches. Wildlife is not one of my (laughs) niches. But uh, if anyone takes this advice, I'm not held accountable. But I'm pretty sure that people say, like, if you see a bear and like instead of running, you actually like out alpha the bear it gets afraid and doesn't attack you i completely buy that and the crazy thing is you don't feel fear when you're acting you only feel fear when you're thinking about acting it's not like you're you're in the gym or you're in like never fought mma but i study ufc fighters religiously and one of the things they always always say is you know, I'm not going to lie, I'm nervous before the fight. But once I started to get in there, once I was in that cage, 
something switches. It's because once you start acting and once you start being in the moment, then all fear dissipates. All fear goes away because you know without a shadow, you're, you're just thinking about the next move. You're not thinking about, oh, what will they think when I throw this punch? It doesn't even enter the mind. So if you're, if you're having fear, the best solution for that is to act. And that's the reason why your 40% rule is so powerful is because, well, am I sure about this? I'm half sure. I'm almost half sure. Just act. Just go for it. Just do it. And then good things will happen. Or at least you'll get some more feedback. In, if you quote unquote fail, you'll get more feedback that you can then use for the next process of expression, experimentation, integration, and transcendence. Absolutely. And one of the most valuable things about taking action is you build courage, you become more brave. And this is also a realization I had that's just made me, I mean, I still sometimes hesitate. I'm a normal human being, but it's made me actually afraid of hesitating more than doing the thing (laughs) because I am now aware from experiences that let's say I have the inspiration to do something. I do my due diligence, maybe a few days of research and I'm like, okay, this is possible. And there's a good probability that I could do this. That's also another reason for the 40% rule is you just need the probability and possibility, not certainty because certainty is not possible. So, yeah, I totally forgot where I was going because there's some guys mowing the freaking lawn. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, we have like these landscaper people that come every like two days. I'm like, how how fast does the grass grow? But <laughs> <laughs> no worries, bro. I mean, I have my phone going off. We have eventually we'll get to the point where we could be like Joe Rogan, have our own studio in Texas and just be completely outside of outside noise completely oblivious to outside noise yeah that's what one I, day one yeah, day that's that's fantastic that's the goal right there but yeah my train of thought has just had left me on that one but uh <laughs> oh, oh no, good. I remember i'm back i'm back let's <laughs> go let's go reboot the engine make that windows xp startup noise i'm back <laughs> um, yeah so fearing not taking action because every time you don't take action, your mind, your subconscious always records something. So you become smaller and the scariness of the thing becomes bigger. Every single day you say, I'm not going to do it. But in the inverse, the opposite is every day you do it, you become bigger and the scariness of the thing becomes smaller. So every day it's like, if I hesitate, I lose power and that thing gains power over me. If I don't hesitate, I gain power. What I mean is like courage, bravery, resourcefulness, confidence, belief in yourself. And then the thing actually just seems smaller. And a little bit kind of like what you're saying, being in the arena, actually doing the thing, it's so often the anticipation is what actually makes us afraid. Like the actual People hate going to the dentist, but the actual dentist is, it's not that bad. It's more so the anticipation, like, do I need shots? Do I need needles? Do I have cavities? Is it going to hurt? And yeah, worry is more painful in terms of suffering than the actual event in itself. A very recent example is 
there was like a software I had to learn how to use for a client, and it was just freaking me out all week. I was just like, am I gonna be able to learn this? Am I? I was freaking out all week. Not not freaking out. I'm a pretty centered person, but <laughs> when I say freaking out, I was just like, it was on my mind. It was just lingering right. there, like, oh great, I gotta figure out some software. Turns out I actually opened the software for the first time. And literally, it's all just pre-built templates. I actually need <laughs> to press, like, two buttons all day. So I spent the whole week letting this thing linger over my head when, in reality, the actual thing was just pressing two buttons. So that's another reason for, again, the 40% rule is you don't know until you've done the thing how hard the thing is going to be. So speculation is just going to drive you insane, and it's removing that sort of innocence we talked about earlier because if you look for more than you need in the immediate moment it does not benefit you and it can only hurt you it can only reveal to you how much you're actually not qualified (laughs) how much you actually are i guess distant away from being kind of an expert at the thing you're doing so you really just need the first step i love what you said about when you take an action, it reinforces your identity, basically, that you are the type of person who does something. And, and and by the converse, if you don't do something, it reinforces that you are the type of person that doesn't do it. And it helps explain so clearly why we can so easily fall into ruts and so easily become better and improve ourselves in certain areas. It's because once we're taking that action in one way or the other, we're just reinforcing that behavior. And so I absolutely love that point. Yeah. And just to add to that is, I mean, it's just physics, like inertia, momentum, that type of thing. And the reason I guess I can see it clearly is because I've experienced it on such a profound level. Cause I, as I said earlier, I lost everything twice. And I can see now looking back at my journals and my pictures and memories of, wow, like when the months I was like just saying yes to everything I wanted to get done or just whenever I wanted to do something, I would just do it in terms of work and stuff like that. Like the whole world just kept saying yes to me. It was like, I just keep winning. It's like that. I guess it's, yeah, the compound effect or just inertia, momentum, energy. It was like win after win after win. But then, of course, the the multitude of rock bottoms, it's like, wow, I just keep losing. (laughs) And it's just over and over and over again. And it's that's why change is, well, there's many reasons why change is difficult. But that's one primary reason is because you are actually, you can't see it. It's more so metaphysical, but you're actually changing physics and like moving momentum, moving energy, turning nothing into something or turning something into something great. Literally just changing reality as it happens in front of you is not as easy as it may seem or as some people will come on and be like, you just need to do this and (laughs) follow my method and take these supplements and take cold showers and all of the nuances will figure themselves out. And the nuances don't figure themselves out all the time but I, honestly i can't hate i know I, I know i make a joking voice but anyone that's getting people to take action i guess that's much better than stagnation or negative energy mm-hmm. and i totally understand that the social media algorithms like they post and 
when it is uh, polarizing and direct, it gets more engagement, which grows their business. And they are running a business, not a charity. And some people more so view the call of service not as high importance on the ranking scale, which is not really worth judging because it really just depends on the nature of the business. But yeah, polarizing content is I w- goes. <laughs> I love how you just broke down the nuance of your own your own biases against uh, people who are polarizing. But let's talk a little bit about like someone in that rut, right? And someone in a difficult situation. I've been there. You've been there. Of just like things aren't working out. You're taking L after L. I know there's most likely going to be at least one person listening to this who has been taking L's for the past. It feels like forever. What would you suggest to that person to do? Yeah, I've got <laughs> I've got experience in this. So I'm, I like talking about this because, boy, there's some stuff I wish I could tell myself going back. But I'd say number one, the first one, which we touched on a little bit earlier, is do not be picky. Like you're not signing up for the Marines. Like you can literally <laughs> you could stop doing it, the thing if you don't like it. But like if you get a part time job or if you have to do a freelancing gig like. Uh, but I want to be uh, this, but okay, but I understand like social media posting on cat pages isn't exactly what you had in mind as your grand life vision, but <laughs> I'm sure you'll survive four months and you'll be much happier with a thousand dollars extra a month in your pocket. So the number one, probably not in order, but just the first thing we're covering is do not be picky. As we also touched on earlier, all the doors are bad. <laughs> like <laughs> you can't just sit there forever waiting for a magic fourth door or fifth door to just fall out of the sky. Like here's the easy way where you can skip walking through the trenches. It's just, it's a fantasy. And the reason we believe in the fantasy is because years now of repetition from marketers being like, this is the easy way. This is the diet shortcut. This is the one pickup line. And as we again touched on earlier, that's not a vehicle. That's a part. <laughs> and a part is not going to take you anywhere. It is the vehicle and your ability to drive a vehicle that is going to take you somewhere. So the first thing is not being picky. The second thing is, which also kind of ties into not being picky, but the small wins that you feel like you're not good enough for are actually what build that momentum. So what I mean is like earlier we said it's a lot about momentum. You stack some wins or you stack some L's and that kind of becomes like the default of that week and then the default of that month and then the default of that year, which is why there's a saying that life is kind of like in cycles. You're either going fast up, slow up, slow down or fast down in these sort of cycles. There isn't really much sitting still because the world is always moving. Things are always rotating. Time is always flowing. But to kind of get back on track it's something as simple as literally cleaning your room or cleaning your computer or sending out one email or walking for 10 minutes what matters is you said you were going to do something it is something that benefits your life and you did it the problem is we look on social media we see all these people doing all these big crazy things and then we're like that win is not significant or it's not good enough When you're at the bottom, every win is significant in building that momentum. So something I I could I wish I could tell myself going back is like you don't need to hit the home run, (laughs) like make the team first (laughs) before you try to make the home run. 
I know you want to make the home run. I know you want the big wins, but it's the small wins that get you on the team. And once you're on the team, okay, then you can go for the home runs. But you need that entry point. And that entry point is small, tiny wins that seem so insignificant. Because in your head, you have this grand vision of just like millions of dollars. And you're like, how the hell is making my bed going to help me make a million (laughs) dollars? But what matters is you said you would do something. It helps your life in some way. And you did it. And then you build the habit of it doesn't matter how small the win is. If I said I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. The end. And you build that momentum of small victories. So I guess those two things, not being picky in the type of win you go for and being picky in the type of work you do is another thing. And I guess the final one that I could add into that is your mindset is so important. Mm. There's that quote that people love that this too shall pass and it will pass unless you hop on board the train and by train, I mean train of thought. So you can imagine Mm -hmm. in reality, thoughts come and go, emotions come and go. The only constant is you are the observer of the thoughts. So you can imagine yourself like in a train station and negative thought trains. If you hop aboard them, you are now a passenger of that negative thought train and it will take you down a negative path. So in a low place, it's so easy to be like, why are things so hard for me? This, that, I'm no good. All these types of things. Just let the thought pass. Let it go. It's, I, it was way easier said than done. I totally understand. When you're in that low moment, you just want to play some edgy music and be like, man, my life's hard and rah, rah, rah. And yep. I get it, but just let the train pass. Trust me. Otherwise, you keep hopping aboard those trains. Sometimes you might go so far from the path, you might not even find the path back home, which is mm. a very scary place that people can end up on. Mm. so in that you talked a little bit about one of the my favorite things that you talk about and something that i see so eye to eye on you with is the idea of seasons and you touched on seasons that i would love for you to expand a little bit about your thoughts on seasons and why you think the world moves in seasons because this was really enlightening for me and just helped tie together a lot of different thoughts so seasons I love this uh, topic because, I mean, the earth is a sphere, which sounds very metaphysical and edgy, but I promise I'm tying it in in a great way. Um, The circle of life we were talking about is also a circle. And the seasons that happen in our lives, I don't want to keep hammering home the point of like, oh, don't be picky. It's just a season. But I I do want to hammer that point for a quick second. And then I'm going to also explain how I view seasons now and how they could past seasons could be affecting your present but again understand it is just a season and i love how you also earlier you brought up like 90 day chunks or 100 day or 70 days just some sort of time frame like this is what i'm doing this season and then you just do it and there's structure to it and adherence is also a very big thing which we might get into later but just this is the season you're in this is the decision you've made whether that be Washing dishes, working retail, waiting tables, doing client work, or maybe it's you have everything going for you and you're ready to take that next big step into a huge 
business venture, understand that it's all seasons. Time is always flowing. Things are always changing. And people really do not care as much as you think. Like, if you think that embarrassing yourself in asking some girl out or you make a video that isn't cool, people forget because they're so busy worried about their own things. But let me get to the much bigger significance of seasons. And that's when past seasons affect your present. It's almost like wearing a winter coat in the summer. So that winter coat worked in the winter, but you were so attached to that, that the seasons have changed and it's no longer benefiting you. So I'll give you a very personal and practical example that I think a lot of people have gone through or experienced. And that's maybe you dropped out of school or maybe just some decisions, you the listeners and you too, Danny, uh, some of the decisions you made, your parents were against, but you knew that those were the good decisions that you wanted to do with your life. So a lot of the dinner table discussions and in the car and all of that, it would turn into sort of just like confrontations. So what happens is as a young person, you can tend to put this armor on where you just deflect everything they say, or you shut down or you turn cold. And then years pass, let's say you find your your groove, you get some business success, for example, or whatever it is. Like you said, you weren't going to school, but it all worked out anyway. It could be like three or four years later and you still have that same armor on where you're just like cold, deflective, and you don't even consciously know that you have it on because it once did serve you. It once protected your dream. It once protected your vision, but it's all unconsciously happening. But that winter season is over. You can take off the coat now. And there's so many versions of that that I think, I guess we could call them traumas sometimes. Trauma, people think like you have to get beat and like abused. And that is one version of trauma, but that's a lot easier to see because it's the the physical trauma. There's a story in the Bible of like the woman who bled internally. And it talks about when we're bleeding on the inside, it's not as easy to see. So we're like, oh, I'm not traumatized. I look fine. My face, I don't have a black eye. What are you talking about? <laughs> but uh, they're really bleeding on the inside in some sort of way. And then the identity, as it's sort of said in the Bible story, is people didn't even call her by her name. They just called her the woman that bleeds. That was her identity. Her problem was her identity. Oh, it's the woman that bleeds. And we too in our lives can kind of find that situation. We're like, oh, he's he's the bum. Oh yeah, he's 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 the guy that's going nowhere in his life. Or oh, he's the the obsessed guy who just works all the time as like some coping mechanism. And it's when people sort of start giving you an identity and then you wear that identity, but seasons shift and then if you're still wearing an old identity in a new season, it's just like wearing a winter coat in the summer. It's gonna be very uncomfortable. And all of this is happening unconsciously. So you're not aware sometimes of why am I suffering? Why am I so uncomfortable? And it's because you're wearing that sort of emotional winter coat, even though it's summer type of thing. That's of what I see the significance of seasons, but there's many interpretations and significance, but that one came up to mind first. I love how you explain that. And it it's crazy how similar it is to a book that I read called Conscious Living. Uh, I read this recently and 
one of the things that they talk about is that we have a mask that we put on as a child that works for us when we're young. And sometimes we end up wearing that mask for our entire lives. Like if you were rewarded with getting good grades, you might be a really good listener. You might be good at school. You might be paying attention to uh, information. But if you were rewarded with, you know, by if you if you were forced to put anger and you were I don't know where exactly I'm trying to go with this, honestly. But the point is that as a child, we have we can put on a mask and we sometimes don't take it off. And that's exactly what you're talking about with seasons and makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Also, what you described is uh, known as the locus of control, which is sort of the reason behind why you take action. Just a very brief example of what I mean by that is they took two groups of students, one group they told them, oh, you're the smartest kids in the class. And then the other group, they said, you're the hardest working kids in the class. And it was the group that was identified as the hardest working that did a much better job at solving the puzzles they were given than the group that was told that they were the smartest. Because being smart is out of your control. And as a locus of control, it's just, it's way less effective versus the group that their locus of control was that, oh, you're the hardworking group. They are in control of that and they're able to sort of push more. So where I'm going with that is, like you said, especially when we're younger, what works for us kind of becomes our identity. And what I mean by what works for us is what gave us a reward. So for some people that are very good looking, their reward and their identity, their locus of control is I'm the sexiest one or I'm the best looking one. And that is their that is their niche. So they present themselves in such a way where like this is how I get people to like me by being the most attractive. There's another which is giving a lot, giving way too much. Like I just I give, 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 give. That is who I am. But what if it's time to receive and you can't receive? So so many little subtle things that can become our identity and they are masks like you said and to give you an example the most obvious example is looks obviously fade with age so the sexy thing might have worked for one period of time for a season but there's a new season and if you keep doing what worked then now you will fail just like any business that fails to adapt any enterprise the person People are entities in a sort of way where the seasons do change. And if you don't adapt, that's fine. But there will be suffering from it. Makes complete sense. And and I love the locus of control example. And it, it perfectly encapsulates in my mind why mindset is the most important thing and, and how you think about yourself. Because it's like in that situation, if you think of yourself as smart, it's like, and you think of yourself as talented, you might not work hard. And if you think of yourself as working hard, you could surpass the person who is thinks of themselves as naturally talented. And what you find is often that's the case. I, it brings to mind the example of Navy SEALs who, you know, they, they see, they all have this, this training, right, in, in BUDS. And BUDS is like the, the thing that they enter on and they start when they're before they become a Navy SEAL. And 
and Navy SEALs have said that, you know, the guys that I expected to make it through this program aren't the ones who actually made it through. They saw the Olympic athletes who were trying out and they expected them, oh, they'll get through no problem. But what they didn't realize was that the mindset of those people who looked the most talented wasn't necessarily there. And that's so fascinating because it applies to every single venture we we go about in life. Yeah, what you just touched on is probably one of the most fascinating phenomenon in reality, which is the people that are not always, but the talented people get away with being talented. So mm-hmm. they have no reason to cultivate work ethic. And it's an energetic thing that applies into all areas of life, which is how stereotypes sometimes come about where the one in particular I'm referring to is that attractive people on average are dumber. And the reason <laughs> that, and that is, is they still will get good reactions without like they'll still get good reactions from the world because i mean you could just look up any of the statistics attractive people like get convicted for jail less they get better treated everyone knows that it's just obvious but what that actually means is like they still get good reactions without bringing other things to the table like humor Mm. intelligence so just like you said it's often the people that are not as attractive that know that they have to cultivate other things like humor wit learning how to create fun experiences and you would think that the person that already had that talent advantage would have a much better job or do a much better job at getting results but it's often the one that didn't have the talent that was forced to cultivate talent to like give you another example it's the guy that was naturally decent with girls he has no reason ever in his life to question his ability with girls, but little to his knowledge, he could just be average or below average. He might not have any reason to look into developing that part of himself versus the guy that's been just rejected so many times where life just forced him to look deeper into it. He has then been forced by life to actually learn about that skill set. And just like we've been saying this whole time, it's often that is then the guy that's going to surpass, as you said, with like the Navy SEALs. It's the one that doesn't have the advantage. Life then forces him to learn how to get better versus the person that gets results without trying, like the good looking people example. They don't really find themselves in positions to ask those new questions because life's already giving them their basic needs, as we touched on earlier. It's amazing. And I love how you use the examples and you bring in the examples to this this discussion. It just makes it so much more real and, and relatable. And so you touched on briefly adherence and you talked you talked about, oh, like maybe we'll talk about it in the future. And I, I do want to talk about it. How do you how what is the best way to or maybe what is a, a what are the ways that you you can adhere to doing what you want to do? Talk to me a little bit about adherence. Yeah, it's a fantastic point. I'm glad we're coming back to it. It's something I really learned first from observing my success in fitness. Like I struggled with so many different things in my life, but with fitness, it wasn't that much of a struggle. And the reason why was because the way the plan was structured, it was so easy to adhere to. 
Like I still have all the foods I wanted, the lifting plan. It was only like 40 minutes, maybe an hour, which in like, it was literally, and this is very key. It was like, I wanted to do more. It was that easy to follow. And I think when we're in a lower situation that we want to escape out of, whether that be financially, socially, romantically, physically, we want the fastest way to escape our situation. But purely just speaking in terms of physics and energy, if you want it faster, it's going to be more work. More work is then by force measurement is more suffering and effort and energy. So the problem is it's not a lifestyle, it's a method. And that method is so hard to adhere to that is why like 90% of people fail their New Year's resolutions because it's not something that they're actually going to implement. It's not their identity. Adherence, to my understanding, is when you don't make yourself so uncomfortable that you're just not going to do it and resist it. It's when you use like maybe 10% of your willpower to implement this gradual little new thing. And then eventually that thing becomes like a default baseline. And then you can gradually do a bit more. And to paint a really clear example of that is with health and fitness, usually I'll structure plans back when I was a trainer or for myself just in a way let's just at least get you following some sort of regimen you could still have whatever you want but just eat it between these hours and then here are also some things that I guess you'll enjoy eating as much as unhealthy things here's like the still amazing tasting healthy snacks but my point is like at the beginning you should make it as easy as possible you can still have whatever you want just from this time to this time preferably not above this many calories that then becomes the default baseline it's just easy it takes no effort then naturally you're going to gravitate towards now you can eat clean i think the problem is at the beginning people are like i'm gonna eat clean i'm gonna eat at these times i'm just never gonna have sugar again i'm gonna run a 5k every day and it's just not the it's not the identity it's just too much it's not gonna happen so one of my biggest factors again i'm realizing for adherence is when you're starting something new, make it so easy that it seems like, is this even enough? Just one Instagram post a day to start this new brand? Yeah, good. That is how you should feel. Because then you know for a fact you are going to do it and you're going to stack those small wins. You're going to get feedback. And then in 90 days, you'll be like, okay, I can do more now. And then add more to it. It's so interesting that you bring that up and bring up the same example that that happened for me, right? So I started working with a coach when I started lifting weights. His name is Mike Vacanti. And he gave me this workout plan. And I remember doing it. And I did do the first workout. And I, I remember emailing him after doing the first workout and saying, dude, this is a lot less than my normal workout. Like, I can't, like, are you sure that, can I do more? Literally those exact words. And it's so funny that you have had the exact same experience. Because it really is true. Before something is your identity, you need to make it easy for yourself so that you there's you have to do it. It's so easy to do. Why wouldn't you do it? And it's like if you've never lifted weights before, don't go try to lift weights, you know, seven days a week. Sure, you can do that. That's one avenue to try out. But you could also try out the avenue of making it so easy that you can't not do it. Try three days a week, you know? So it's it's very interesting that we've had the same experience from that perspective. Yeah, because anyone that's been through it 
knows that when you're sending that email of like, oh, I could do more, it's usually, and I mean, I'm, I've done the same thing actually with other things that I've ventured into, but it is sort of like an emotional spike. Like you're ready. Yes. I set the goal. I see the vision. I want to get out of my present reality. Let's yep. go. And then four days later, you're like, oh, I'm back to normal. <laughs> like you, can't, <laughs> you don't maintain that state indefinitely. And that's the reason why it needs to be so easy to adhere to. You think it's too easy. And it's like only 10% really pushing you out of your comfort zone, which is not what hustle culture wants you to hear. Hustle culture wants you to hear like, do it all now. Tons of urgency. Everything on your plate. And then have seconds type of thing. <laughs> like, I'm like, I mean, you could try it, but I'm telling you from experience, it's just not going to work. Your emotions are going to be spiked while you're in the process of writing the goals. You're going to do it for two or three days, maybe four, five or six. And then that emotion fades because emotions come and go. The only thing that's constant is you, the observer of the experience of the emotions and the thoughts. So if you used motivation as a fuel source and emotion, you can't rely on that because it's gone. Mm. What you can rely on is you, the observer. Hi, I'm here. I'm conscious. I'm not in an emotional outburst right now. I am consciously making a promise to myself to just do this. I know for a fact I'll do it. I think it's too easy. So let me go do it. And then you do it. And then it becomes obvious. It becomes your baseline. And then you add more. And then it's much better that way. Because also in in business and fitness and all of that, if you do too much before you're adapted to do that, it's like taking, let's just hypothetically say Mario is level one. But you somehow teleport into like level seven. His skills just aren't equipped for that yet. Like if it's your first year in the gym, your muscles aren't going to recover fast enough anyway. If it's your first time doing business, you don't even have that much results to report. You don't have that much to talk about. Like you rush and then the quality is going to suffer. So not only does the quality suffer, then you also burn out. So you're doing a trash job and you feel like trash. <laughs> like that's just not a good formula in my head. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but I'm telling you from experience, if it seems too easy, good. Do it for like 60, <laughs> 90 days and then review and be like, okay, honestly, I, I now know I can do more from a calm, logical, centered, poised perspective when you're not having an emotional motivation stint trying to escape your present day reality and going way back to what we said earlier about being present, I think that naturally becomes more so your default state when your basic needs are met and you're not like trying to escape from a desperate situation. You kind of get that long-term thinking and you plan things out for the long-term instead of how can I get fit for the beach in nine days type Mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. And so it's so interesting because when you start to think about these things, you start to, you've, you've said it a bunch, you, everything's connected. You know, you t- talk about business, you talk about fitness, you talk about relationships, social, it's like everything is the same. And we spoke about this briefly on the phone before, but touch a little bit about how everything is the same and how you've, you've thought about all these different areas and you will put all of these areas in one article. And that's amazing to me and it's so true. So how have you come to the conclusion that basically everything is the same? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's almost freaky how much everything is the same. But it was really from observing just 
my own life. So to give you, I mean, a very popular quote is how you do anything is how you do everything. So this is going to sound very silly, but my friend, for example, one of my closest friends, the way he eats his food is he'll eat the certain food group before moving on to the next. So, for example, he'll eat all the fries, then he'll eat the burger, then he'll have the drink, then he'll have whatever. He just focuses on one thing at a time. Whereas me, I do like a little bit of everything at once. And literally every other thing we do in our lives is the same thing. So he's a very strategic, methodical, one person at a time to the book type of person. He doesn't move on to the next task until he finishes his current task. Whereas me, I have a bad habit of doing all these different things at once at the same time. And it seems so insignificant, but just it's just like every how you do anything is how you do everything because it really shows who you are as a person. Another clear example would be with uh, soccer. So the way I play soccer is pretty much relying on talent, which is speed, power, skills, and just creating miracles. Something out of nothing is kind of my thing. I'm not that like consistent guy that's like, and I'm not saying one's better than the other, because trust me, when I'm not performing miracles or when miracles aren't needed, I can easily become useless. But <laughs> I'm not like that consistent guy in the middle of the field who's just like strategically just weaving things around. I'm kind of just like Rambo. And like when you need a miracle, I'll make a miracle happen purely relying on talent. And then I realized, whoa, I mean, I do the same thing in my content and my videos. Like there's just no strategy. I rely purely on talent. I don't even look at the data as to what's going to get me more likes, subscribers, purely relying on talent and making a quote unquote miracle or just a great piece of content out of thin air. Mm -hmm. So I was like, whoa, like, I mean, it's just these are examples of how one way you do things reveals how you do everything. And it's all tied in, which is the biggest overarching thing that connects it all together is that is what I mean when I say don't be picky because it's never going to waste. Yes, you might not be working in retail for the rest of your life or you might not be a personal trainer for the rest of your life, but every expression you do leads to an experimentation and integration. So therefore, everything you do integrates something to your character to level you up. Things I learned as a personal trainer, I still use today. Like people I'm never going to speak to again that I briefly had relationships with, I still integrate and utilize some of the things I learned from being in a relationship with that person. So nothing is ever to waste just because it doesn't last forever. And that's a very uh, spiritual concept, which is you don't really need to attach. I mean, obviously there are some things like your family here, your wife and stuff, but you can engage, you can do what you need to do for the season. Like you don't need to attach to everything. Life is moving. If you get attached, you're going to be very uncomfortable in a world that's constantly rotating and changing. So flow with it, be with the season. It's winter. All right, let me hunker down and get some work done. It's summer. All right, let me take it easy a bit. Let me respond to what's going on versus being attached. Like I refuse to begin any work until I know this is going to work for sure, and it's what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life, and it's going to pay me good, and people are going to think I'm cool for doing it. It's also just <laughs> like, I'm never going to talk to a girl. I'm never going to talk to a girl unless I know she's probably going to be my wife. 
I know that she's a good fit for me. I know that she's not going to reject me. And I know that she already likes me. I'm like, okay. First of all, congratulations, because you're never going to find that <laughs> in business or in relationships. But second, and this is just one of my favorite quotes, is everything is practice for the big moments. Mm. Because when that special girl comes along, if she's the first girl you've ever talked to, I can, with almost 100% certainty, guarantee you it's not going to go your way. Or if that fantastic business opportunity comes along, but you've never run a business, you have no skills working with businesses, you've never even apprenticed and did like one task for a business, it's not going to work. <laughs> the opportunity is going to go away. And that's one of the worst feelings on earth when an opportunity presents itself and you just weren't prepared and then it goes away. Ooh, that's things. Brother, I could not agree more and I could not think of a better way to wrap this baby up. I think that we need to have you on a second time because this has been so insightful to me. And so I'm so grateful for you. So please tell everyone listening where they could find you. And yeah, man, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for, for being on here. Man, it was an amazing conversation. If anyone uh, wants to find me, most active right now on Twitter at Y-O-U-S, use XP. Instagram is just Y-O-U-S. Honestly, I just post not much value on my Instagram. It's just kind of like my life. But that is where you could find me. Twitter, Y-O-U-S-X-P. Instagram, Y-O-U-S. And then I have a few articles on my website at use.co, Y-O-U-S co. Awesome. And you guys should check those all out because they're really, really good stuff. And thank you again, you so much for your time and your wisdom. My pleasure, my friend. That was my interview and conversation with my man, Use. If you enjoyed this episode, let me know on Twitter at HeyDannyMiranda. Also, feel free to enjoy and subscribe to my newsletter, Tuesday Treasure. Join the family and really just make my day to have you subscribe to that newsletter it's what I, the coolest things that I find every week. I really, really put a lot of heart and energy into that newsletter. And so if you enjoyed this episode, you'll probably also enjoy that newsletter. You can find that at dannymiranda.com slash Tuesday Treasure. That's all we got for today, beautiful people. And I'll see you in the next one.